Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7 and 10 through 13. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I'm no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, wonderful and holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen. Our focus this morning is on that line. Let me... Be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and to your service. For me, that that just screams uh, the theme of contentment. We're asking God to help us be content with wherever we are in life. Wherever we are in life, whatever stuff we, ha- we, are, we have, help us, God, to be content. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like we learn discontentment from an early age. And I think that it starts in the lunchroom at school. Here's what I mean. When I was growing up, I, I, loved, um, I loved going and purchasing, uh, you know, new school supplies, sometimes getting new butt bag, uh, folders, all that jazz, school clothes. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But I also loved getting a new lunchbox. Anybody get a new lunchbox? Anybody take a lunchbox? I don't know. I did. Here's my favorite lunchbox that I ever got. I think we got it on the screen. You know what that is? He-Man! Master of the universe. And it had that awesome thermos. That, uh, I mean, this was awesome. I mean, this was the, uh, this was the lunchbox. 
Um, but, you know, I love this thing. But you know what I loved even more? What was inside the lunchbox. My mom would make a mean bologna sandwich. Anybody else? Anybody? Bologna? Come on. I don't, I don't hear about people eating bologna sandwich anymore. Um, I don't hardly eat a bologna sandwich anymore, but man, I would tear up a bologna sandwich in school. Um, and so in that lunchbox was a bologna sandwich or two, a bag of chips, a Capri Sun, and some kind of snack or dessert. Oftentimes that snack or dessert would be like a little Debbie cake. I'm talking, yeah. So here is where discontentment is learned. Well, I love my bologna sandwich or two, my little Debbies. There were, on occasion, other students with other lunchboxes that had more desirable items than what I had. They might have a better snack or a better bag of chips or a better sandwich. And oftentimes, you know, we would work out trades. So um, we would have, you know, so we could have what the other person had and that might mean I end up with two sandwiches or two little Debbies and no chips or no sandwich or whatever. And I was fine with that because I saw what somebody else had and I wanted that instead of what I had. And they did too. And from what I hear from my kids, trading like that uh, still occurs. It's, it's not a lost art. So, so to discontentment starts at an early age, and I think it's something we struggle with all throughout adulthood. So what I'd like to do is to, to work our way through a couple of alignments, a series of alignments related to contentment and discontentment. You know, alignment's a useful thing. If you've ever driven a, a vehicle that's misaligned, you know uh, how much effort it takes to overcome the car's tendency to either go left or go right, right? You know, you and I are sort of like that car. When we're living in alignment with God's purpose, we're able, man, we're just able to track straight, to keep going on the straight path that God has laid out for us to walk. When we're living out of alignment, we find ourselves veering off course. All throughout Scripture, we're encouraged to keep our feet on the path of righteousness, which means the path of right living, the path that honors God. So here's the first um, alignment pertaining to our contentment. I must learn, you must learn, we must learn to live joyfully within God's current provision for my life. I'm going to say that again. I must learn to live joyfully within God's current provision for my life. You want to know what kills alignment with God's purpose faster than anything else? Discontentment. Discontentment. This discontentment says, I don't, I don't have enough. Discontentment says, what I do have is not nice enough or, or new enough or big enough. Discontentment says, what I want, what she has. Discontentment says, I need what he has. Discontentment says, I deserve what she has. Discontentment says, I know I can't afford this, but I have decided that it is mine. Discontentment says, I've worked hard to be able to buy nice things, and so I will. Discontentment says, nobody else is going to take care of me but me. 
Discontentment says, once I get this, once I get this house, once I get this car, once I get this piece of clothing, once I get this vacation, then I'll be happy. Discontentment says, I'm not asking for the world. I'm just asking for a little bit more. Let me be, let me be honest with you. Discontent, discontentment is telling me right now, I need an Apple Watch. That's what discontentment is telling me. It doesn't matter that I have an, a, 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 a suitable Fitbit. And this Fitbit, it tells time. And uh, it, it tracks the little steps that I take during the day. But discontentment is telling me that I need an Apple Watch. Because you know what? An Apple Watch is shiny. And it syncs up with my phone. And an Apple Watch, I can, I can answer phone calls on my Apple Watch. And you know what? I don't even need my phone with my Apple Watch. That's what discontentment is telling me. I need an Apple Watch. Discontentment is also saying that I need a new grill. Come on. I mean, the grill that I currently have is 15 years old. I bought it the year that Kristen and I got married. I'm not sure if it works right now. Seriously, I'm not sure. I think the bottom is rusting out. I need a new grill. By the way, I'm a man and a man needs his grill. That's what discontentment is telling me. I don't know what discontentment is telling you. But it often says, I need. Or I won't. Or I have to have. These are the things that discontentment tells us. And, and you know what? Our society it just feeds off of discontentment. Our thinking that says, I need more. I, I watched college football all day yesterday. Glory. And I saw ad after ad after ad that's feeding off of our discontentment. I need more. But do you want to know? Okay, so discontentment kills alignment with God. Do you know what kills discontentment? Gratitude. We practice gratitude. And we practice gratitude like it's our job. Because basically scripture tells us that it's our job. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. Gratitude. Show gratitude. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is your job. Gratitude says, I thank you. A million times it says, thank you. Thank you for seeing my need, God, and for promising to provide. Paul begins our passage by saying, rejoice in the Lord, Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Like in case you didn't hear me the first time, I say it again, rejoice. Do you know what rejoicing is? Rejoicing is thanking God in our worship. It's thanking God through worship. He goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything. Here's another way of saying it. Do not be discontent about anything. Because you know what? When we're discontent, we kind of get anxious. Ooh, I need that. Ooh, I need to go. I need, how am I going to get that? How am I going to pay for that? I need that. How do I get to that next place? Ooh, we get all anxious and worried when we're discontent. So do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The way we deal with discontentment is with gratitude. It is thanking God for all that he has already given us and thanking him in advance for what he will give us in the future. Here's the next alignment relating to contentment is realizing that all I have comes from God. All I have 
comes from God. You know, in our culture, we, we tend to be suckers for the, the rags to riches story. I know I am. We, we're suckers. We love to hear the young man who, who grew up in a rough neighborhood and overcome a thousand obstacles, eventually rising to become a CEO of a successful corporation. We give that kind of person lots of credit, lots of accolades, lots of press, lots of rewards. But here's what we can't forget. When that guy takes a stage to receive his umpteenth award, what does he do? He thanks a whole slew of people. He thanks his mom for persevering and raising four kids alone. He thanks his teachers and his high school principal who saw something special in him and worked hard to bring it out of him. He thanks his coaches and his mentors for, who refused to quit on him when he was thinking about quitting on himself. He thanks all the people along the way who helped him rise above his circumstances and make something of himself. But does he think to thank God for all of his blessings? Now, I don't know what this imaginary guy does, but if you and I are honest, we have a whole slew of people to thank too. Our parents and our teachers, our, our bosses, our mentors, our coaches, our neighbors, our extended family members, our, our friends, all have played a part in getting us to where we are right now. And guess who is behind their investment? God. God knew you before you were born. And has cared for you every single step of the way. He has allowed helpful people to cross your path so that you too could rise above your circumstances, the challenges that you have faced. And in addition to placing helpful people on your path, God has wired you with amazing gifts. He's, he's given you capabilities and talents and insights. He's given you educational opportunities and, and chances for development and for growth. He's also given you material possessions along the way, the stuff that you own in life. And what he asks for you, from you in return, is to use all of those things, the people, the experiences, education, opportunities, the challenges, all of those things for his good. He asks you to be grateful for all the, the marvelous things that you have, your talents, your possessions, your, your network of friends and your helpmates. He asks you to stop and say thank you. People who are living in alignment with God's purposes are those who recognize that everything they have and all that they have become is a direct result of a loving Heavenly Father. They know that they are not self-made. Paul says that the secret of contentment is this. I can do all this. Be full, be empty, have all things, have nothing. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul says the secret of contentment is God. Paul knew that he was not a self-made man. Everything that he, that he had came from God. She left our own devices. I mean, we'd buy up the whole store. But God gives us the strength to be content. 
And when we realize the strength God gives us, we thank Him and we show gratitude. Knowing that God is the true provider, gratitude says, I trust you. Gratitude says, what I have is enough. Gratitude says, is, what I have is big enough and new enough and sufficient for my real needs. Gratitude says, I don't have to live in want. Gratitude says, I don't have to covet what others have. Gratitude says, I don't have to keep up with the spending habits of others. Gratitude says, I don't have to go into debt to pay for something I can't afford. Gratitude says, God sees me, and he cares for me, and he will provide for me. Gratitude says that I know that happiness only comes from God. Gratitude says I'm simply a steward of all of these resources. Gratitude says I've trained myself to live with contentment. Gratitude says I'm no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. Paul said that he had learned to be content whatever the circumstances, whether full or empty. Whatever your provision level today, I insist on you being content with wherever you are, with whatever you have. God will provide everything that you need. Maybe not everything you want. Maybe not an Apple Watch. Maybe not a grill. Maybe not whatever it is that you want. God will provide. He's provided everything we need. He's provided even a way of salvation through Jesus. Everything. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. Amen.